0: deepens the impression. and this meetings has to do with the last day events um, primarily dealing with the church, with God's people. And the reason I prepared this series was because of last year there was many controversy on last day events. People are coming with different interpretations. So I felt impressed to put a series together and to help to answer these questions. I think the microphone is kind of funny or or not. No? zero. Okay. So this afternoon we will study about the shaking in God's church and of course the main purpose of this meeting is to understand more the events like the 144,000, the last generation, um, the close of probation, All the way to the second coming of Jesus. But I believe that if you want to understand well the last day events, you have to have a foundation. You have to have a complete study. I can't just pull out a study, for example, on the 144,000 and expect you to understand well if you don't have all the foundation, all the basic. Are you following what I'm trying to say? That's why I'm starting this study with the shaking in God's church so this afternoon we want to answer uh, questions like why will there be a shaking in God's church what is the reason there need to be a shaking in God's church in these last days question number two is what are the three phases of the shaking we will see that there are three main phases of the shaking in God's church and question number three is What are the consequences of the shaking? What's going to happen in the church because of the shaking? And finally, and the most important question is number four, how can I remain firm during the shaking? How can I stay firm and will not be shaken out of the church? That's what we want to answer. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Amos chapter 9. In The Old Testament is considered one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament of course not in importance but in size Amos chapter 9 and we will we will begin in verse 8 the Bible says there behold the eyes of the Lord God are upon what kind of kingdom if you have your Bibles there okay I'll wait you to find your Bible there some of you are not there yet okay so the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord is upon the sinful kingdom, referring to God's people, Judah. And then he goes on to say, and I will, what is the next word there? Destroy. destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. So God says very clear that he will destroy God's people, but then he goes on to say that I will not Utterly destroy how will God destroy God's people but not completely the next verse tells you for lo, I will command and I will what is next word sift the house of Israel among all nations like as a corn is sifted in the sieve yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth again God repeats the same thought he says yes I will bring judgment upon the church And what judgment he will bring upon the church? According to verse 9. I want you to answer. I'm not going to give you the answer. He will sift. So this destruction that God is talking about is not like a literal destruction but he's saying that I will sift the church. In other words, I will shake the church. And then he says that not the least grain will fall upon the ground. Remember that parable of the wheat and the tare? So the grain represents the, the, the wheat, the faithful Christian and the tares representing those that are not faithful so it says that not the least grain the faithful christian during the shaking will not come out of the church but those that are the tares the false followers of christ they will be shaken out of the church now notice what it says there if the grain will not come out of the church who will be sifted out verse 10 all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword which say the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us so when the bible says that all sinners of my people shall die by what? The sword. the sword. Of course, we are dealing with prophetic language over here. What is the sword representing Bible prophecy? Huh? The Scripture. The Word of God in Hebrews 4:12 says that the Word of God is like a sword, two-edged, right? So many people will be offended by the gospel message, and they will be shaken out of the church. And we will see that exactly what the Spirit of Prophecy says. So, is it possible that God's people in these last days became a sinful kingdom? Of course, we are in in prophetic language over here. It's dealing with God's people, the church. Is it possible that God's church became sinful in these last days? So, we want to see what the Spirit of Prophecy has to say. I want you to follow this quotation. It's long but try to follow with me as I read the message to the church of the Laodiceans is a startling denunciation and is applicable to the people of God at the present time the Lord here shows that the message to be borne to his people by ministers who he has called to warn the people is not a peace and safety message okay let's continue the same passage they, God's people, are at easy believing themselves to be in an exalted condition of spiritual attainments. What a great deception can come upon human minds than a confidence that they are right when they are how much wrong? All wrong. So here he is addressing people that have obtained attainments in their Christian experience, but they come to the point that they are at easy thinking they, they are great Christians, but they are all wrong. So let's continue. The same passage. The message of the true witness finds the people of God in a sad deception, yet honest in that deception. They know not that their condition is deplorable in the sight of God, while those addressed are flattering themselves that they are in exalted spiritual condition. The message of the true witness breaks their security by their startling denunciation of their true condition of spiritual blindness poverty and righteousness. So let's continue in the same passage over here. It is difficult for those who feel secure in their attainments and who believe themselves to be rich in spiritual knowledge. I want you to see the characteristics of these people. They have attainments, they have spiritual knowledge To receive the message which declares that they are deceived and in need of every spiritual grace, the unsanctified heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I was shown that many are flattering themselves that they are good Christians who have not a ray of the light from Jesus, of light from Jesus. We are very much wanting in Bible, what? Humility, Humility, patience, faith, love, self-denial, watchfulness, and the spirit of sacrifice, and when it says here, you notice that those are things of the heart, things of the heart, and when it says spirit of sacrifice what is it referring to yes I'll say self-denial would be temperance and and obedience but when it says self-sacrifice yeah, spirit of sacrifice excuse me remember what Jesus you know the very verse in the Bible the most famous verse in the Bible says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That is a spirit of sacrifice. For what? What purpose He gave His only begotten Son? For whosoever believe in Him should not perish. Talking about a spirit of you know sacrifice yourselves that other might be saved. Okay let's continue. The same passage. We need to cultivate Bible holiness sin prevails among the people of God." So the same passage continues, it's a long passage. The plain message of rebuke to the Laodicean is not received. Many cling to their doubts and their darling sins, while they are in so great a deception as to talk and feel that they are in need of nothing. They lack almost every qualification necessary to perfect Christian character they have not a practical knowledge of Bible truth meaning not a a practical understanding of Bible truth we may know prophecy and things like this but we are not being able to apply those things in our lives okay and that is the last part of this statement they are not living in obedience to how many God's God's requirements all God's requirements But the message of the true witness reveals the fact that a terrible deception is upon our people, which make it necessary to come to them with warnings, to break their spiritual slumber and arouse them to decided action. So from this statement, I know it's a long statement, can you see the prophecy Amos being fulfilled, that the eyes of the Lord is upon the sinful kingdom, can you see that the church of God, God's people in these last days, they became a sinful kingdom, and that's why there is a need to be a shaking in the church? Is that clear to you? Yes or no? Okay. Another reason for the shaking here. Notice this statement. It is a solemn statement that I make to the church that not how many? One in twenty whose names are registered upon the books, uh, the church books, are prepared to close their earthly history, and would be as verily without God, as without hope in the world, as the common sinner, they are professedly serving God, but they are more honestly serving what? Mammon. What is mammon? Money. The love of money. So God's people, they profess to follow God, but in their lives you can see that they are much more earnest serving money the things of this world that's why it's lacking like the spirit of self sacrifice humility and all those things are not find, found in the church because of the love of the world so it's very clear that there need to be a shaking in the church and continuing here i want you to see the tense uh um how do you say the time over here said god is sifting his people is it Past, present, or future? Present, right? So, very careful attention over here. Sometime you will see in the future, God will shake the church, will sift the church. There is a reason for that. I will explain. It's because of the three phases of the shaking. God is sifting His people. He will have a clean and holy church. That is the purpose of the shaking. To... Take out of the church sinners, and also to purify those that remain. He will have a clean and holy church. We cannot read the heart of man, but the Lord has provided means to keep the church pure. Notice now, a corrupt people has a arisen or arisen from uh, who could not live with the people of God. So so far is very clear. Yes. There will be a shaking in the church because the church became a sinful kingdom. They are not obeying the requirements of God. They are not following the light they have. Um, They lack humility, the spirit of self-sacrifice, and they are more earnestly serving money and the things of this world. So, though they claim to, uh, to follow God, to be good Christians, they do not possess the spirit of God. And that's why there needs to be a shaking among God's people. Why will there be a shaking? Two reasons over here. To purify the church from sinners and to purify the church from sin. It depends how you respond to the three phases of the shaking. If you refuse to be converted and reformed, you will be shaken out of the church. But if you accept the warnings and the things that will happen, sin will be Expelled from your heart. Is that clear so far? How are you church? church
1: organization?
0: are gathered together in Okay, very good question. What is the definition of church? Let's make it very clear. When we talk about the church, we are not talking about the organization or the building or the system, none of that you have to understand when the Adventist church began in 1844 there was no conference. The conference started to exist in 1861 in Michigan and 1863 was the general conference. So about 18 years the church had no organization yet the Adventist church existed as a people. So when we say a shaken in the church we are talking about God's people, those that profess to believe in the three angels' message. This is the church. Very good question. It depends how you see the church again. You see, the conference is a ministry of the church. It's not the church. You cannot say that the conference is not part of the church. Yes, it is part of the church. It's a ministry, but the conference in itself is not the church. The same thing that self-supporting work is not the church. It is... Part of the church, but the church is the people. Those that believe in the three angels' message. But, but
2: the, the people who
0: believe are under the three angels' message are Adventists, no Sunday church. Definitely, they are Adventists. That's that's the name the Lord gave to us. But be very careful to confound the people. You know, what I'm you can be Adventists and be in a home church. The Bible teaches about home church. You can see in the New Testament. You can be an Adventist and be in a conference church, organized church. You can be Adventist and be in a self-supporting church. So keep in mind that the Adventist church is the people, the Adventist people. Because why I'm saying this, that's very important, this question, because you will see as we study the last day events, that there will come a time that the instruction, the system will disappear. You will see that as we go if you don't have the understanding of the church you will think that the Adventist movement, it died, but it didn't die when you understand that the the people is the church is that clear so far? Okay. question number two what are the three phases of the shaking? let's begin phase number one and remember that it says that the Lord is sifting the church, implying that the the sifting is happening right now. When the shaking comes by the introduction of false theories these surface readers anchor nowhere are like shifting sand. So first phase of the shaking here that you see false teachings, false doctrines being introduced upon the church and same statement saying the same thing over here a different statement excuse me saying the same thing not having received the love of the truth they will be taken in the illusions of the enemy they will give heed to seducing spirit and doctrines of devil and will depart from the faith so we'll see that one way that the lord will um, purify the church he will allow false teachings to blow upon the church to come upon the church and those that are surface readers are not like a student of the Word of God they will be easily deceived and they will eventually eventually come out of the church notice one of the false teachings the very last deception of Satan will be to make of none effect the testimony of the Spirit of God so tell me what is the testimony of the Spirit of God I want to assume that you have a previous knowledge and if you don't have, maybe we can study this some other time. But what is the testimony of the Spirit of God? What is he referring to? Spirit the Spirit of Prophets, right? The writings of Ellen G. White that God gave to his people in these last days. So, it's saying that the last deception of Satan will be to make of what? None effect. None effect. I want you to understand that the last deception of Satan upon the church is not to make you to doubt the writings of Ellen G. White. That's not the deception. The deception here is to make of none effect as long as you don't read, as long as you don't apply the teachings, it's make of none effect in your life. Are you following? You can believe, go ahead, believe that she's a prophet. That's not the deception. But he wanna cause a situation that God's people will not follow anymore the writings of Ellen G. White will not read and apply in their lives okay next still talking about the same thing it is Satan's plan to weaken the faith of God's people in the testimonies second phase of the shaking I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the loud sins. This will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will lead him to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Some will not bear this straight testimony. They will rise against it, and this is what will cause a shaking among God's people. So another phase of the shaking is when people start studying the Spirit of Prophecy and the Bible and preach the truth the way it is, many people will, will, feel, uh, will be offended. We don't want to hear this message. This is a true, straight message. It challenged their lives to come up higher. And instead of conforming their lives to the teachings of the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, they rise against those that are preaching the message. Is that clear? Okay any questions so far yes definitely I can I can say things that I've seen in different countries um maybe I will not mention so many details but I see countries for example when you preach the straight truth they will banish you from the pulpit they will just not allow you to preach there anymore um, or even if you are going to certain meetings where they are preaching the straight testimony you are disfellowshipped even though you're not preaching but because you are attending the meetings they disfellowship you so I'd be in places like this yeah. what do
1: you do if you are being if you does that mean you're still not in the church?
0: okay very good question in John chapter 9 you have a story there of a blind man that blind man was healed by Jesus and then Jesus told him to go to the priests and tell what happened so the man told that Jesus had healed him and then the Pharisees pressed him you are lying call your parents they called his parents was your son blind from birth and then the parents were afraid to be this fellowship ask him he's a grown man and then the man continued to uplift the name of Jesus and then the man said something that really irritated the religious leaders of the time. Why do you want to know? Do you want to follow him? And when they heard those things that they disfellowshipped that man because he believed in Jesus. Now was him lost because the local church disfellowship him? Not at all. Jesus met him afterwards and told a parable. And the parable was about the the shepherd, the true shepherd. And he said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. You see, so it's very important. If you are disfellowship because you are following the truth, it doesn't mean that God disfellowship you from the book of life. Are you following? But be very careful. Let me say something over here. Some people they preach the truth, they straight testimony, in the wrong spirit. And because they preach in the wrong spirit, they suffer persecution. And they flatter themselves, I'm being persecuted because I'm preaching the straight truth. But listen, are you being persecuted because you're preaching the straight truth or because you're preaching the wrong spirit? So there is a difference over there. We must preach the straight testimony, but remember, speak the truth in love. Amen? Okay, so there is a, a difference over there. And that's a good question, any other question? okay let's proceed phase number three and I'll assume that you have knowledge on this already the mark of the beast, stop right here, what is the mark of the beast? just want to assume that you have knowledge, just you can show what is the mark of the beast? come on you are so shy today, you are too shy today No. Sunday worship enforced by law. That's very clear. Enforced by law. So today, people that worship on Sunday, they do not have the mark of the beast, though they are preparing to receive. That is true. They are preparing to receive the mark of the beast. So here is talking about national Sunday law. The mark of the beast will be urged upon us. Sunday worship enforced by law. Those who have step by step yielded to worldly demands and conformed to worldly customs will not find it a hard matter to yield to the powers that be rather than subject themselves to derisions, insult threatening imprisonment and death so let's continue to read about the mark of the beast it says in the absence of persecution there have drifted into our ranks men who appeared sound in their Christianity unquestionable but who if persecution should arise would go out from us. And when he's talking about persecution over there, he's talking about this third phase of the shaking, National Sunday Law enforced by law, when people are compelled to worship on Sunday rather than follow the dictates of their conscience. So many people at that point, they will prefer to go along with the the movement for uh, worship on Sunday then suffer persecution and imprisonments and fines and things like this so what are the three phases of the shaking can you name it for me phase number one okay that is one of that is part but be more specific False false teachings and one of the false teachings are to cause people not to heed the counsels of the spirit of prophecy okay false teachings what is the next phase? The straight truth, right? The straight testimony being preached, many will not endure and rise against it. And phase number three? Sunday worship, Sunday worship enforced by law. When persecution rise many will depart from the faith. Okay, there you have all three there false teaching, straight testimony, Sunday worship enforced by law. So, question number three. What are the consequences of the shaking? Meaning, what's going to happen in the church because of the shaking? Cleansing. We already saw that, but let's see in details here. Some, we already saw that one too. Some will not bear the straight testimony. They will rise against it. And this is what will cause a shaking among God's people. So one consequence of the shaking is conflict inside the church People will not want to hear the truth and you will have this internal conflict. Perhaps you don't see here in Hawaii much But again as I told you before Many places I go I see that when you use the writings of Ellen G. White right there. They mm, He's a reformer Watch out with him. They catch you right there There will be a hatred kindled against the testimony which is satanic. People will hate the spirit of prophecy. The shaking of God blows away how many? Multitudes like dry leaves. Prosperity multiplies a mass of professors. What is the next word there? Adversity. Talking about persecution when Sunday law comes. Adversity purges them out of the church. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when how many forsake us? Come on now. Majority forsake us to fight the battle of the Lord when temples are few. This will be our test. I want you to see very clear that. Notice this statement over here God will have a people peering to in the might-sifting soon to take place, so she puts now in the future, we shall better able to measure the strength of Israel. Let me open up a parenthesis over here and make this very clear. Every time that it speaks about the shaking in the present, she's talking about false teachings and straight testimony. When she talks about the shaking as into the future, It's talking about national Sunday law. It's not talking about blue laws that are in every state in the United States. It's talking about a prophetic event um, prophesied in the book Great Controversy, The Great Controversy. It's talking about a national Sunday law that begins in the United States of America and goes to the world. So when she puts the shaking in the future, she's talking about national Sunday law. And it's interesting to notice that the phase that people are purged out of the church as dry leaves and multitude forsake us, is during the third phase of the shaking, the National Sunday Law. Why is it important? The two first phases, the false teachings and a straight testimony, it is a spiritual shaking. Did you hear that? It is a what? What kind of shaking? It's spiritual shaking. Many people are being deceived by by teachings, false teachings, but they are still in the church. Many people are rejecting the straight testimony, but they are still in the church. But when National Sunday Law is passed, they will be purged out of the church physically. So it is a spiritual shaking that is taking place now, and then there will be a physical shaking that will take place in the future. When national Sunday law is passed. What's your authority on that? Okay. For example, here. God will have a people. That's not the one. The one before, I believe. What do we I mean by authority? The testimonies or... Okay. Notice this statement over here. The shaking of God blows away multitudes, referring to a, you know people leaving the church, like dry leaves. Prosperity, which is the time we're living right now, multiplies a mass of professors. Adversity purges them out of the church. So when you see the three phases of the shaking. Which phase of the shaking is talking about adversity? The third phase, National Sunday Law.
1: I find adversity is taking place right now you in your sermon you mentioned no Friday night uh, games and stuff like that. Mm. What about graduation? attending graduation, on the Saturday in the afternoon? All it depends on the person?
0: It depends the type of graduation. That's very clear. I don't think this is... Adversity, I believe adversity is talking about uh, persecution and problem. This type of shaking, like sports and things like this, I don't consider this adversity. This is your, your personal. How can I put this? Maybe somebody can help me over here. When it refers to adversity, it's talking about persecution and confluence and like this you know what I'm saying when it's talking about this type of shaking like if i go to games on friday and practicing sports on friday i'm being spiritually shaking people may teach me about sports and all of that and i don't care i'm going to sports anyway i'm attending graduation which is not spiritual on sabbath anyway i'm being spiritually shaking they can be spiritually shaken but doesn't mean that they leave the church many people in the church may be spiritually not grounded in the truth maybe because of influence of others maybe because influence of the pastor maybe because whatever it might be happened. it doesn't matter but if people are still in the church they are spiritually shaken are you following those that are not faithful let's talk about those that are not faithful Okay, but that is a spiritual shaking taking place. When I say about physical shaking, I'm talking about uh, a a mass of people just leaving the Adventist church physically. They are not anymore among God's people. Are you following? No? When
1: you're talking about shaking and you're talking about spiritual and physical, you're talking in a way where they're going to choose to leave the church, not like they're going to die. There's another prophecy that talks about that there's some kind of shaking and that all the faults are the people that aren't sincere, God is gonna take them, they're gonna die.
0: Okay, okay. To
1: get, to get
0: to that? We can get to that, but not today, that's the next Sabbath okay, so actually. Yes. Okay, let's try to work on, on this over here. That's an important question. Just a minute. Uh, you wanna make a comment on that or? Mm. I believe that too yeah there are others I will show more statements over here dealing with persecution adversities talking about the National Sunday law that's when people will leave the church physically when I say leave the church leave God's people physically they will no longer be among God's people to profess to to believe in the three angels mass they will depart from the faith
1: I'm aware of that. How does that fit into the shaking that's going on within our evaluation?
0: It is a spiritual shaking, again. Many people are being deceived and uh, are being at ease in their attainments and flattering themselves that they are fine, they don't need a refinement of character. But uh, actually, they are not grounded in the truth. If they are not grounded, they are being shaken but they might be in the church still many people are in the church they believe all kind of crazy doctrines false teachings but it doesn't mean they left the church you see they are still physically in the church but it's spiritually shaking they are not grounded are you following the false teaching are shaking those that are not studying and and surrender to God daily of course are shaking people spiritually Meaning that they are not right with God, they are going to the to the wrong direction, but they are still among us. Are you following? Then the straight testimony. I see people rising against the straight testimony all the time, but they are still in the church. Ellen White says that you know actually the main phase of the shaking is the straight testimony. I've seen people rising against friends of mine, people that are that I know against myself. They rise against the straight testimony, but they are still in the church. But it's spiritually speaking, they rejected what could ground them in the truth. Are you following? So it's spiritually speaking, they are not grounded. They are shaken. But when it comes to national Sunday law, persecution, adversity, these people will physically leave the church. Are we being set up every five years?
1: Hmm. Uh-huh. You will see the papacy in the parade, the papacy will be at the general conference.
0: How about that? So isn't it sure
1: what should we as both the church start to do? Because I feel we've been let down for that adversity, the National Sunday law.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I don't know what we should do because personal. Yes, doesn't make sense.
1: Why are they having the, the Catholic Church in the general conference?
0: It doesn't make sense. I know I didn't know about that.
1: It, it makes sense, but every year that we've been to, I've been to it, and even the ones that I haven't been in, they're in the parade, they're there. they are hmm. there this hmm. June
0: through the beginning part of July. Okay. Now, how does that fit in with the adversity that we're facing? Okay, but
1: adversity is when maybe somebody matter-
0: we are progressing, definitely. We are getting to that stage, definitely. But eventually, when National Sunday Law pass, that's when you will see majority forsaken. Well, right now, we preparing
1: ourselves.
0: Now. Definitely. If wait the Sunday Law, no. That's what I'm saying. the The first two phase of the shaking is spiritual. The third phase will just reveal who is. Grounded and who is not grounded? Do you see? That's why we cannot read the heart. We read a statement like this, but many of us here are not grounded. Many of us are, you know, are surface readers. Are not studying the Word of God. Are not surrendering ourselves. Are not developing our characters. Are cherishing our uh, evil traits of character. We are spiritually. Many of us here spiritually shaken. She said, not even one in twenty that the names are in the books of the church already, but when the national Sunday law comes it will unfold or unmask or reveal who is the wheat and who is the tare okay yes,
2: that's also referred to as the
0: unconverted. yes the unconverted in the church the tares so it will be revealed it's not our job to point out oh he is a tare she is a tare or he's a wheat that's not our job to do that we don't have the capacity to do that but it's happening right now when she used you know she's saying the shaking is taking place right now I see false teachings I see straight testimony happening right now and the shaking this spiritual shaking are happening in the church right now some people are waiting for the shaking sometime in the future when it's happening right now now the third phase of the shaking it's in the future in the near future we don't know how near but it is in the future. And that's when people will be removed from the faith physically. Yes?
2: Yeah, TikTok, as far as uh, something like you're talking about um, the papacy and the parade and, and so forth, that's just a popular movement of uh, economic, ecumenical uh, uh, togetherness
0: that the church
2: is really pushing uh, at every juncture to every. Hmm.
0: Okay let's move to the next passage over here, okay the great issue so near at hand talking about Sunday law and I didn't put that Sunday law over there it is between brackets over there will, what is the next word? without, right? Those whom God has not appointed and he will have appeared through sanctified ministry prepared for the latter reign. So it's very clear here that uh, it is the national Sunday law that without the unfaithful among God's people, physically speaking, not spiritually. Spirit, they are already shaking because they are not grounded in the truth and they are rejecting the straight testimony. Okay, let's proceed. What are the consequences of the shaking? Opposition against the straight testimony. Hatred against the spirit of prophecy. Majority of Adventists will be lost. And that is a sad statement, it's not a happy statement. God will have a pure church, meaning a pure people. That is the consequence of the shaking. Okay, number four over here. And the most important one. How can I remain firm during the shaking? The church may appear as about to fall, but it does not fall. It remains while the sinners in Zion will be sifted out. None but those who have been, what is the next word? Overcoming, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies will be founded with the loyal and true. So there you have how can we remain faithful during the shaking? By overcoming developing our characters continuing God leads his people on step by step he brings them up to different points listen very carefully this one some are willing to receive one point but when God brings them to another testing point they shrink from it and stand back because they find it's a strike it strikes directly at some cherished idol continuing those who come up to how many points? Every, point. Every point and stand how many tests? Every test. And overcome, be the price what it may, have heeded the counsel of the true witness, and they will receive the lettering and thus be fitted for translation. Again, you see here that some people we talked about this morning. They are willing to allow God to mold them in a certain point, and when they come to a testing truth. Because the Bible has precious truth and testing truth, right? Testing truth that challenge you, challenge your loyalty to God. So many people shrink; they may accept one or two or some, and when it, God takes them to a testing one, if, oh no, they choose to cherish their idols. And they are not overcoming every test, every point, be the price what it may basically they are not walking according to the light they have another statement how can we remain firm if any will not be purified through obeying the truth and overcome their what just Lloyd said their what selfishness Selfishness. their what Pride. pride and evil passions the angel of God have the charge They are joined to their idols, let them alone, and they pass on to their work, leaving this with their sinful traits unsubdued to the control of evil angels. Notice that it's talking about sins of the heart right now. Those are the idols of many people. Their selfishness, they are not willing to share, to give, to sacrifice. Their pride, the love of opinion, the love of control, the love of um, you know many things that lead us to pride, Uh, pride of knowledge. I found out that many people that have Bible knowledge they are very prideful. You know they pride themselves how much they know that 144,000 and they know all these things but a lot of pride. Evil passions, dealing with Appetite and passions. Okay, the tear and the wheat over here. We know the tear will be shaken out and the wheat will remain. So, the tear, based upon our study, the tear are surface readers. The wheat is grounded in the word of God. The tear serve money, the wheat serve the Lord. The tear despises and rises against the straight testimony. The wheat accepts and is transformed by the straight testimony. The tear does not appreciate the spirit of prophecy. The wheat appreciates the spirit of prophecy. The tear does not overcome the evil traits of character. The wheat overcomes from one point to the next. And now we didn't talk about that now, but the terror is anti-reform usually, and the wheat are reformers. We are going to talk about this now, but I want you to take a look over here and just evaluate your own hearts. You know, sometimes, and I want to talk about reform now, we don't like the word reform. And I personally don't like it too, because it's attached with legalism. And that is true. Many times it's attached with legalism. But I want to show you a statement. And some people, because they know the Bible and the spirit of prophecy is true, they implement the teachings in their lives, but their hearts are not transformed. Notice this next statement over here. Reformation will not bring forth the good fruit of righteousness. Did you hear that? Reformation will not bring forth the good fruit of righteousness unless it is connected with the revival of the Spirit. Revival and Reformation are to do their appointed work and in doing this work they must be what? Bland. So Reformation alone, it will not solve the problem. You may look good, we may look righteous, but our hearts are still corrupt. So that is not enough. And I tell you, it's a lot easier to give up some outward uh, reform, or uh, I mean, to accept some outward reform is a lot easier than to give up selfishness, passions, evil traits of character. So make sure that you are not hiding your sins in outward reform. Reform must be followed. Or must blend with revival of the Spirit those who are reproved by the Spirit of God should not rise against the humble instrument it is God and not an erring mortal who has spoken to save them from ruin those who despise the warning will be left in blindness to become self deceived but many will not receive the message that heaven immersed sends them and to finalize here our study they cannot endure to be told of their neglect of duty and of their wrongs their selfishness their pride and love of the world so sometimes we reject a message because we don't really want to be transformed we just want to hang in our idols and just make sure that before you reject a message evaluate yourself it might be from god to try to save your own life and talking about the church when national sunday law comes let's talk about this because i know some people has questions on that when the National Sunday Law comes, again, I'm not talking about National Sunday Law in Germany, in Africa, in Brazil. I'm talking about prophetic event which begins in the United States of America and goes to the rest of the world. When it comes and it starts to progress, because National Sunday Law is not a death decree right away. Let's make it clear it's progressive. It starts with nobody works on Sunday. And people don't want to work on Sunday anyway so it will easily follow uh, be passed and then you can still go to church on Sabbath that is not a problem and then Sunday worship right finds imprisonment and start to progress to the point that if you do not worship on Sunday you will suffer the consequence of being in prison, fines and and eventually come to a death decree. But I want you to understand that when National Sunday Law is passed and start to progress, there will come a time that you're not gonna walk here on Sunday to worship here. Are you following? It's just not gonna happen. Eventually, the instruction will close down when you have a national Sunday law there that everybody is forced to worship on Sunday you're not gonna just walk on the church on Sabbath that's not gonna happen so the church start to close the doors but remember that the church is much more than the building the church is the people and when I say that the, the, the church start closing the door I'm talking about Denomination, self-supporting, it doesn't matter. It will start to collapse. That's why it says it seems that the church will fall, but it does not fall. It goes until the end. Again, not the system, not the instruction, but the people goes until the end.
1: What about the people that just stay home
0: in their house and keep the Sabbath at home? They can do that, but eventually, you know they will be persecuted because as we proceed in our studies over here, you will see that at that point if you are a faithful Sabbath keeper, you are not going to remain silent. You will preach the message with power. And if you remain to, uh, if you choose to remain silent, it shows that the Spirit of God is not in you. Yes. Yes, so you will see that God's people will preach in such a power without measuring the consequence. Once they finish preaching, they look around and say, what did we do? Well,
1: I think at this time we will see the union uh, enforcing all the fact that the We will not be able to request Saturday off. Mm, yes. And the union will force people to take longer. Mm-hmm
0: and we are told that for Sunday worship we should not worship on Sunday but we should do missionary work on Sunday you don't need to work on Sunday to provoke them you see you don't need to bring persecution upon you you know for no case if you're not working on Sunday doesn't mean you accept the mark of the beast you accept the mark of the beast if you worship on Sunday when it's passed and enforced by law, so we should take that day to do missionary work. yeah Any other question before we close?: so straight
2: testimony,
0: what exactly does that mean? Very good question. The straight testimony is just preaching the truth the way it is, and I believe that the straight testimony is much more than saying the, how do you say, the cliche words of Adventism victory over sin, perfection of character. That is not so straight. But when you start breaking down practical godliness, yeah, not you're no one knows what you're nobody knows what you're saying. I mean, like, uh, what? Hmm. But when we start preaching things like, Marriage life, educational life, health reform, you see, or Sabbath reform, evangelism, gifts of the Spirit, church organization. That's when you really preaching the straight testimony, and you always you find contention on those areas. That's what I've seen, and. I noticed that when we preach practical godliness, um, you know, there are different people in different stages in their Christian walk, and it's very difficult to preach in public like this, but eventually you have to. Otherwise, nobody preach. If we're never going to preach, not everybody's in the same level, so don't preach at all. That's the philosophy now. But I believe we must preach in the love of Christ. Um, and I found out that every time you, stri- uh, you start Preaching and being very specific to the point—that's when you find a lot of contention. Yeah. It's the, it's the of the yeah. And there is another group of Adventists that I think is very interesting. They love hearing the straight testimony. I found out some groups like this, but they never apply. They just apply the things that are convenient them you see but they love to hear the straight testimony. don't get me wrong they love it just make it learn huh oh yes I can give an example for example if I have a, uh, a study on true education people love it to hear but they don't apply in their lives. just study on yourself and you'll see I cannot bring another topic just right now from the top of the you know what I'm saying we would have to have a like, study but people would love to hear that health message they'll love to hear that some people they just love to hear that but when it comes to putting practice mm-hmm. mm, that's when I don't see it you know sometimes yeah Do you have a book is yeah there are several books actually they have different titles Oh, good. We have some book here in this church, I believe, right? We have books here? For... Yeah, we have some books we can give to you. Yes.
1: When you say testimonies, the testimonies mm. were real detailed to the point where it says uh, your your dress, your suspenders, your beard, and things like that. Are you saying that has to be followed to the T? Because you can go. Both...
0: Yes, yes however there are contexts for example yeah for example we knew that bikes in the temple uh, in the time of Ellen G. White was very expensive right Right. and then she condemned because people were buying bikes for their children like toys and neglecting the work of God in their financial uh, support and then she rebukes that particular you know um, you have to take in the context, just like the Bible as well. That's why we don't keep the ceremonial law, right? Because reading the context, we have a better understand uh, what is the ceremonial law for, and what, when it was done away, and things like this. Yeah. Okay, let's... You go ahead. Um, well, there is one problem, and the problem is that Revelation
1: says that all, all, the whole earth, Either be on one side or the other. Either you're worshipping mm-hmm. the beast and you have them mark or you're worshipping God. Yes. Or when it means all, it doesn't just mean one religion, it means the whole earth. Yeah. We're talking about Muslims, we're talking about people that don't believe. Mm-hmm. These people will be worshipping on Sunday, or they will be killed. as what it says. And it also says that if they're not killed also talks about how they are gonna be killed and it says that there's gonna be a uh, grievous sore on your body or so want to take them off.
0: Yes, the, the plates. We're talking
1: about this is a uh, force, right? And on the forehead is um, in your mind. Mm-hmm. So how can you get the grievous sore and all that and everybody's being killed?
0: Okay, um, you're mixing some events over here. Uh, um <laughs> yeah you're mixing some events over here but you you're on the right track. I know where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah, that's the seven last plagues, one of the plagues are the source. Yeah, okay. Um, and the killing you are connecting to Ezekiel chapter 9. Okay, so you're mixing both events. When you study very clear the slaughter of Ezekiel chapter 9, and I intend to go there, in the you know, especially next week, when you study Ezekiel chapter 9, you will see that that slaughter begins when probation is closed, every ca- case has been decided, the seven last plagues start being poured out upon the wicked, including those that were among us that, you know, that are not true, the tares, right? So they suffer the last, uh, seven last plagues, and then you have the second coming of Jesus as well. So it doesn't mean that during the seven last plagues, every single person will die there, but eventually when Jesus comes, and we are talking about the wicked here, not the righteous uh eventually when Jesus comes to the second time they will not endure his presence, his glorious you know, presence and they will die. Um, that is the slaughter of Ezekiel chapter nine that is talking about. You can see in, in the great controversy a chapter called the desolation of the earth. Yeah. So the
1: people that have the sword also the people have to take the mark
0: of the beast. Yes. They have the mark of the peace. Yes. The plagues are definitely part of the slaughter. It's, you know but it's not all yeah and not everybody will suffer all the plagues the plagues are not universal like worldwide the plagues like uh s- this plagues may fall in this part of the world that other plague may fall in another part of the world and you know what i'm saying yeah uh,
2: been given uh, by the prophet to the church from God that we might build up uh, the character that will be needed to repel these the, so that we'll, we won't fall to the, the temptation of them. So in, in our ability to conform to reform the all uh, start based on spiritual uh, context, but uh, they're for our benefits So when we can, we do. So we we dress uh, in reverence for instance when we come to church. Uh, will we be considered uh, totally unfaithful because we don't have head covering or we wore pants in the sanctuary? No, but we are encouraged to recognize those things can help us to build those character, to, to come away from intemperate lifestyle, so forth. They're for our help, and we embrace them and we follow them because we love God, not because we think that is going to save us. Mm. So, try you want.
0: Thank you. Why? I personally believe that we cannot overcome on our own strength. That's why it said they overcame, you know, by the, yeah, by the blood of the lamb, like first. Yes, meaning that they loved not their own lives even unto death. Because, meaning that you were willing, No, okay, uh, Meaning that you are willing to obey God even to the point of death. Yeah, that's the meaning. So they love not their lives, they love God much more than their own selves. Yes. So they are willing to obey God even if they have to die. Yes. Is
1: the Sunday law comparable to the over-
0: Um, very interesting question. I do not believe that, because I never found a, a clear statement on that. However, we have very clear statements saying that the National Sunday law again, not blue laws, or national Sunday law in the United States of America it is a test for seven-day Adventists, right? It will be when we say the National Sunday Law and very careful attention over here there is a a fine distinction there when we say that National Sunday Law probation closed for the Adventist Church just think now in the case of the Jewish nation back there when we said that probation closed for the Jewish nation in the stoning of Stephen 34 AD the Jewish nation were no longer God's people isn't that right? they were no longer God's people consider God's people so when you say that probation closed to the Adventist Church when National Sunday Law is passed what you're saying is that from that point on the Seventh-day Adventist Church is no longer God's people and I have a problem with that because the statement said that the church will appear as about to fall but it doesn't fall it goes until the end. So the distinction. Favorite, okay, uh, but I'm kind of reasoning over here. So what I believe is this: national Sunday law, as individual, probation will close for many Seventh-day Adventists because having all this light that they have, all this opportunity, perhaps they may not have the light, but they have all the opportunities to have. But yet they chose to accept the mark of the beast. As individual probation will close for many Seventh Day Adventists. Yes. Yes. Not as yes. Yes. Many probation will close for many Seventh Day Adventists. Yes, for many. Yes. Individually is a personal uh yeah, choice a personal connection with Christ or and choice that you make that will determine whether probation will close on you at that point or not yeah. hmm we will give some for you you know I want to go to one more Bible verse here Uh, let's turn to I believe it's 1st Peter I'm not sure Uh, let's see if we can find 1st Peter maybe chapter 2 when it says that judgment must begin at the house of God chapter 2 what verse is that Either 1st Peter or 2nd Peter. I cannot see it now, but I believe you are familiar with this verse because this teaching like there is a teaching like that, uh, Lionel, that is going around that probation closed upon Seventh-day Adventist Church on National Sunday Law. There is a teaching going around that, but I particularly don't like this phrase, close upon the Adventist Church, because there is that, final, uh, that distinction over there, you know, it doesn't close for us as a whole, but it closed individually for many people. Yeah. So there is that this teaching going around, and they use that verse that says that judgment must begin at the house of God. And what will be of those that obey not the gospel, right? Yeah, so we have to understand very clearly. So their reasoning is this. Judgment begins in the house of God since the beginning of the judgment, 1844, until National Sunday law. And from that point on, that's it for Seventh-day Adventists. it begins with those, you know, in the world. So that's their reasoning. That's why they say that probation closed to the Seventh-day Adventist church on National Sunday Law, because judgment must begin at the house of God. But there is a misunderstanding there. The judgment has three phases, and you know that. This is basic. Phase number one, investigative judgment. Phase number two, what kind of judgment? Millennial judgment, right? During the thousand years, phase number three. What is the third phase? Huh? The executive judgment, right? When fire comes down from heaven. So there you have three phases of the judgment. And the investigative judgment. Who will be judged during the investigative judgment? Okay. Uh, he is the judge, right? Definitely his character will be in judgment. Yes, Those that profess to be believers of Christ, right? Yeah, throughout all ages. So the great controversy is very clear that investigative judgment, that is the judgment of the house of God. When it said that judgment must begin at the house of God, that is talking about investigative judgment. And then what will be of those that obey not the gospel? That is talking about millennial judgment and finally executive judgment. So they mingle. Uh, Somehow they understand that that verse is talking about the investigative judgment, first to the Adventist church and then for those that are not Adventist. That is a misunderstanding. When the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God, that is investigative judgment. And then, yeah, and then and then those that obey not the gospel—that is talking about millennial judgment, you see. But they somehow they misunderstand. Yeah. So you're saying of God is the house of God is the church,
2: the house of God is the Seventh Day Adventist.
0: Okay, but you know, during the investigative judgment, not only 7 Day Adventists will be judged. All those that died before even the Seventh Day Adventist church exists will be judged. You can see that in the great controversy the chapter called facing life's record. So there is no difference
2: between the judgment of the dead and
1: judgment
0: of the dead? There is a difference. But that is the house of God whether you are alive or dead. Oh, you, you know when it says judgment begins at the house of God that is not even mentioned the word dead and alive. You know what I'm saying? Just saying the house of God and then you have to say okay the judgment has three phases. Which one is the house of God? Investigative judgment. Which one is that that obey not the gospel? Millennium and executive judgment. You see, um, but somehow people mingle. They add words in that verse that is not saying, you know, what I'm saying? it's not talking about Sunday law. That verse, it's not talking about dead or alive. It's just saying that judgment begins at the house of God, and then it goes to those that obey not the gospel. So when you understand the phase of the judgment, you can easily see which stage is it talking about referring to, yeah. I know there are many groups, you know,
1: yeah.
0: Yes, there are many groups. I don't know what they believe or they teach, you know. I really don't know much about them, yeah. Any other question? Okay. Maybe we should close the meeting today. And tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, but next Sabbath, we continue. Oh, one more,
1: one more. Okay. This, I, no, I, thought, I didn't want my question to hold you back. Okay. This is, okay. Once whoever takes the mark of the beast, my understanding is, well, it's going to be tormented right the and die or whatever. And then the people that don't take it, they're supposed to be killed with a sword, right?
0: Be Say it again, those that receive not the mark of yeah, the beast.
1: Don't, they don't take the mark
0: okay, the, right. of the beast. Right.
1: Not, supposed to be killed, what Revelation says. not
0: really. Not really, actually. Not really. No. It says that if you receive not the mark of the beast, you know, that they should be killed, there is wow. a decree. It doesn't mean that all will die. Okay, we will see that there is a group of people that will not die. Otherwise nobody would see righteous people, nobody would see Jesus coming back. Right?
1: They're going to be
0: resurrected, okay, but uh, you, oh, no, be people are alive. alive. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, the reason there is a decree to kill the saints doesn't mean that all will die. And we're going to study about that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know but I'll find out somebody to help you okay so let's pray Heavenly Father as we learn about the different phases of the shaking we ask you that you help us and save us from ourselves and we know that our hearts are deceitful we pray for you to do what we cannot do for ourselves and please empty our hearts of self crucify our old man and open our eyes and ears to have a revelation of your character melt our hearts and please lead our lives though we may not see though we may not understand And we ask you please take our hands we give you permission to work in our lives And help us to be grounded in the truth, forgive our sins, help us to love one another, to may the Holy Spirit fall upon us at this moment, to shed abroad the love of God. Help us to put away our differences and to come to the unity of the faith in a humble spirit. Father, continue to bless this Sabbath day and help us to, to enjoy the blessing of the Sabbath. Thank you so much. We pray in the name of your son. Amen. Amen.